Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I have the absolute pleasure of bringing author Rajani LaRocca back on the show to talk about her most recent books. So we talk about her writing The Little Golden Book about Kamala Harris, as well as her book, The Secret Code Inside You. I'm super excited for you to hear this episode and for me to be able to get to interview Rajani again was such a delight. I cannot wait for you to listen. But before we get into that, I want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. The owner and operator of Snuffy is good friend of the podcast, Nick Silvestri. So if you like the podcast logo and you want to go support Snuffy, go check it out, snuffy.co. And this episode is also brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, if this is your first time listening to the podcast, welcome. I hope you enjoy it and that you're able to keep coming back week after week. If you're a returning listener, thank you so much for coming back. Your support means the world to me. Now, if you want to support the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do that. First, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so that way you never miss an episode. Be sure to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast player of choice and make sure and recommend the podcast to a friend. Word of mouth is the best way for independent podcasts such as Detox to have our goodness spread around. So without further ado, my episode with Rajani LaRocca is right up after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family, Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today. Welcome back to the Detox Podcast with me at this time. I am so excited that she has graced us with her presence yet again. Rajni LaRocca, author extraordinaire. Rajani, how are you doing today? 
I'm great, Joe. How are you? I am doing so good, and I'm so excited to talk books with you again. I feel like it was not recent enough that we had you on, and so we needed you to come back. We're going to talk about all of the good books you're writing, and we, we were even talking offline about another way to bring you back on. I'm I'm just super excited. So, um, But before we get into all that goodness, as you know, here on the Detox Podcast, we like to level set the conversation with a question. So Rajni, I want to ask you, what are you currently detoxing from? Oh, okay. I don't know if this counts as a detox, but I'm on a brief hiatus from my job as a doctor. Oh, interesting. Like just for this month. Yeah. I'm, um, I'm spending some time writing and just being at home and living a little bit of an authorly life and trying to, um, not be pulled in too many directions at once. And then when I go back, I will feel refreshed. I hope. Yeah. I think that counts because it is always helpful for us as individuals to take some time apart from what we do day to day and really invest in ourselves to be able to uh, partake in things which bring us different kinds of joy and goodness and the ability to have that kind of focused time on writing and family time and home time and just different different stuff helps I think empower you to to be filled up and then continue to be able to give the best of yourself every single time so I think that's wonderful and fantastic to hear yeah I'm really fortunate to be able to do it so I'm excited well, I want to go ahead and kick things off with this wonderful book so people cannot hear it. Oh, hear it? We're, it's a podcast. I don't know what I'm saying. They can't see it. Uh, words, right? I mean, it's it's a it's a Wednesday after after a long weekend. So I'm I'm still like this feels like a Tuesday to me. So, anyways, yes. But yes, yes. the little golden book about Kamala Harris. I, I've got to talk about that starting right at the top. And I was so excited when you announced that you had written this book and that it was coming out. I instantly I reached out to you. Where can I buy it? Where can I pre-sell it? Get a pre-sale from? And you gave me some great bookstores. And so I purchased from there. And then my daughters read it and were excited. So it I'm lots of good things about it. But I want to start with how did you get the opportunity to write this book? Yeah, it's um it's an interesting story. I was approached by the publisher, um, the editor who was in charge of Little Golden Books, um, you know, contacted my agent and said, um, would Rajini be interested in writing this book? And that was in November 2020. And I was like, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to write a book about Kamala Harris and I would love to write a little golden book and to be right. able to do both of them at the same time. It was like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. So, yeah, that was really exciting. So I said yes. And then um, they asked me for a draft like the next month. So I was like, oh, well, that will be interesting. So this, this is one of those cases in which um, – you're asked to do something that you have never done before mm. and asked to do it quickly. Right. And you're like, okay, I'm just going to have to believe that I can do this. Right. And they were great. They, they, you know, gave me some examples of other little golden book biographies. So I kind of knew what the structure, you know, how many pages and that kind of thing. And then I did a bunch of research and all my research basically had to be uh, online right. because, uh, you know, I didn't have time. Not like I was going to interview her anyway, but, you know, I 
basically needed to do research in, you know, newspapers and magazines. Um, And so I did. And then uh, she, Kamala Harris has accomplished so much already that it was like, how do I choose what things to talk about? And this is a book for, you know, very young children, right? Three to five, basically. So you then have to also be able to present this in a way that makes sense to kids that age, um, but also is meaningful, right? Right. Uh, So it was a fun challenge and I had a great time writing it. And I also got to write a few things about, you know, special things that, you know, Kamala likes, you know, like her Chuck Taylor collection and and what she likes to cook and that kind of thing. So that was really a lot of fun, but the biggest, you know, the biggest feeling I got from writing this was just kind of amazement at how groundbreaking she really has been um, in California and in our country. So that was, it was just really thrilling to be able to write about that. It was interesting. So as a kid growing up, one of the things that I enjoyed reading about were sports biographies. So I know when we talked about, uh, we talked Last time I talked about my love of like the Matt Christopher books and and just really getting and why that drew me to um, much ado about baseball, right? Oh my goodness, yes, yeah. much ado about baseball. I'm like, this has been such a weird week you already. You got it, you but, got it. But drawing those comparisons, and so you know, I remember reading about uh, like Babe Ruth and reading about Wayne Gretzky and reading about uh, Gordy Howe and all of these different uh, players and athletes, but then also wanting to read about historical figures as well. And so reading about Martin Luther King Jr. as well, uh, Abraham Lincoln, all these different historical figures. But I do remember for me, it felt like I did not have a wide selection of people to read biographies from in a kid's version. Um, and so I defaulted to kind of like what was already out there, which is historic, historically, um, uh, the books have historically been written about white men. Um, and that's been about it. And so being able to have something that expands the scope of what kids are exposed to and who they're able to look up to and learn about is incredible. And I even, I had the, uh, my wife was reading this and she, she gave it, I think one of the highest praises where she said, she said, if I was in, you know, second, third, fourth grade, whatever, and I had to write a book report, this is the book I would use to write the book report on about, about a leader. She said, because when she said, when I was in my wife said when she was in school, there were two people to as a girl that she had to write about that she wanted to write about Susan B. Anthony or um, uh, 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 Eleanor Roosevelt. And so she chose Eleanor Roosevelt. And she was like, but I wish I had like more options um, because yeah. I didn't particularly find either of those. Uh, no shade on them, but like m- as as groundbreaking in the same ways as Kamala Harris is. So just to be able to have that option already is for like my kids is fantastic. And then there is a part that I really that really stuck out to me too because you're you do such a good job of weaving in all the incredible things that she's already accomplished so far, but then mm-hmm. it's not just a list of facts, right? It's not just she lived here. She got elected here. This is where she went to school. Now she's vice president. It, there's a there's a narrative of helping people and and overcoming obstacles and working with the community that's prevalent throughout. And there's mm-hmm. the last line, not the last line, but before they go into 
uh, you go into her her run uh, for the president and then becoming vice president. Said uh, mm-hmm. Kamala said she believes strongly in the values her mother taught her, a vision of our nation as a beloved community where all are welcome, no matter what we look like, no matter where we come from or who we love. And that resonates for me as a parent yeah. wanting to instill those values in my kids. And it's something that my kids are getting the chance to hear now as I don't know how to expertly say this, but as though it is not revolutionary. And I mean that in, in a good way, like this is just, yep. well, of course we're, we would do this. Why would we not do this? And so just to be able to lay the foundation is incredible. So how did, so we talked a little bit about how you came to the book and how you were asked to do it, but how did you kind of, how did you approach the book with writing it? Did you like find every single fact possible, write it down and then call it? Or how did you kind of start finding this narrative with all of her accomplishments? Yeah. So, you know, I, I started with uh, her childhood and her parents and uh, all the things that she had said about um, what it was like to be raised uh, uh, basically as a biracial person um, in California at a time when, you know, that wasn't necessarily super common, especially with having one parent who was Indian and one parent who was Jamaican. Right. Um, and how, how you know, and her parents were both activists. That's how they met. <laughs> they met during a protest. <laughs> and uh, I thought that was just fantastic. And so those values that her parents taught her are the values that she carried throughout her entire life. So that was my that was my frame for everything was to bring it back to how she was raised. Yeah. And then, you know, a lot of it was like, you know, well, this is her childhood and she had, you know, some interesting childhood experiences. So her parents split up pretty early and she lived with her mom. So her mom, you know, was basically a single mom raising her and her sister for a long time. And um, then she had a stint moving to Canada, which must have been so wild right. coming from <laughs> California. <laughs> Um, and you know, there was a, there was a protest in Canada about their, you know, office building, you know, that they wouldn't let the kids play on the, on the uh, lawn. And I think, you know, and she and her sister protested and they won. Uh, so there was like a, there was a thread woven, uh, of Kamala standing up for people's rights. And so, uh, you know, then it made sense for her to go to law school and it made sense for her to be a uh, a district attorney and that kind of thing. Yes. And she kept standing up for people's rights. So that was the thread that I tried to weave through the whole story. And I mean, honestly, some of it was, I mean, some of it was so easy to write because her quotes from her speeches were so incredible. Yes. So how could you not be inspired by that? Right. right. Um, the quote that you mentioned and also the one um, that she uh that she talked about when she accepted, uh, you know, when they won the election and, you know, uh, that was just beautiful about, you know, standing on the shoulders of all these women that came before her. And I was just like, this is incredible. So yeah, I mean, the overall frame was, this is, these are the values she was raised with and she dedicated her life to that, to basically fighting for the rights of everybody in this country to be part of a beloved community and that she was the first in so many ways. Yep. So yeah, it was, it was, so I did that. And then I want, I knew I wanted to throw in some other fun things like the, you know, the shoe thing and the <laughs> cooking thing <laughs> to balance out some of the political stuff. Right. No, definitely. It's, um, yeah. you talk about, it's funny when I remember reading that about her parents meeting 
as activists, and I instantly just thought of Family Ties um, because the I think that's how the parents meet in the show is they're they're activists. If they don't meet that way, they were activists, and that's the whole thing. And then you have Alex B. Keaton, that's the polar opposite of right. them. So, oh, sim- simpler quote unquote simpler times. Um, but but I think it's I just remember you brought up her quotes too, and I just remember we. Um, my son had gone to bed. He was too tired on the, on um, when the election was confirmed, I almost said election night, but on that Saturday, when the election was confirmed, I remember um, having my daughter stay up late so she could watch it. Um, Cause I knew it was such a historical moment and we tried to keep my son up, but alas, he was, you know, three and was tired. And so she, she stayed up and Kamala came out wearing white and we explained the importance important the symbolic importance of her wearing white and then her quote about i'm doing this i'm paraphrasing but i i am doing this for all of the little girls and boys that are watching right now that are are absorbing and seeing history like i'm doing this for you and i just remember like crying and holding her and she like understood some of the significance in the moment but i think she'll recognize it more later but it was like and i just remember she my daughter was asked before she started, before Kamala started talking, um, said, why is this important? And we explained, well, she's the first woman that's been a vice president. We've never had a vice president that's been a woman before. My daughter said, that seems weird. Why wouldn't we? Girls can do anything boys can do. And like, we can all do whatever we want to do. And why, are, why do people care? And we're like, exactly. You're asking the right questions yes. because that should be it. But people didn't used to believe that. And then we got into the conversation with the suffragette movement and the right to vote and all of the stuff. But I guess in closing, before we transition to the next next book I want to talk about, I would say, what do you hope that people take away from reading the book? Kids, adults alike, everyone in between, what lessons do you want them to take and be able to apply to their lives? I hope they're inspired uh, by Kamala. Uh, the fact that she took the values she was raised with as a kid and held on to them and fought for them yeah. all of her life, you know, that she continues to do so. And she says at the, you know, at the end of the book, and she said in her acceptance speech that she may be the first, but she won't be the last. Yes. And I really hope kid readers in particular just believe that and just go forth and live their lives um, thinking that they could do that if they wanted to, you know, they they could be uh, real leaders in our our country and, you know, not everyone is going to be vice president or president. That's fine, but they can be the kind of leaders that inspire other people and that get things done on whatever level um, and that they should always, you know, hold true to their values and, um, and keep fighting for them. Yes. Yes. I am reminded constantly of how our language matters and how we frame people and situations and um, what we're looking for in leaders. I'm using air quotes, right? Or not air quotes, but leaders, managers, leaders of the country. And we have historically framed it in such a way where people didn't believe not all of everybody, in this case, we're talking about women, haven't always believed that they could aspire to the highest office in the land um, because of how we society have framed the the job description. But now 
we're it's slowly but surely we're it's we're shifting it and we're starting to show this is why we've kept people out of these jobs before this is how we've described it these are the words that we've used calling a man over here ambitious a woman over here bossy right like those mm-hmm. types of small things cut away at people's confidence and cut away at their perception from their peers and then we don't set everybody up for success so try in working to be intentional about how we use language even in our own homes with our own kids is where it starts and i think it you know i'm not perfect and i catch myself and i try when i do to correct myself and then reiterate it in the appropriate way with saying you know just using more inclusive language across the board so i think that's that was my biggest takeaway from the book and from Kamala as a as a as an entity and as a leader is that if we want Kamala to be the first, not the last, then we need to ensure we're inspiring, empowering, and supporting both individually and through the infrastructure. Yep. Right. And I you know, and this is what is really interesting to me is that children's literature helps to do this. Yes. One of the really wonderful things about children's literature in particular right now is that there are all kinds of biographies and and um you know true stories of lesser known figures who contributed to our world. Yes. And this is of course political figures, um but also artists and scientists and musicians and you know teachers. I mean that is so cool because yeah. in the world that I grew up in Basically, almost everyone we learned about was a white man, which, you know, that those were the times. But things are changing. And they're so we're children today are learning about figures from history that we didn't necessarily learn about when we were growing up. And that is so cool because it opens up the world of possibility when you realize that somebody, you know, women and, um, you know, people of color, um, you know, held positions of importance or contributed significantly to the world and we just didn't know about them because yes. nobody told those stories so it's very it's very wonderful and heartening time to be a part of children's publishing yes there was um again i'm bringing it back around to to what i read as as a kid with sports and and i read about the story of the 1950 World Cup where the U.S. men defeated England and it was in Brazil and it was a big upset and it was a big shocker and it was like the game above all games and blah, blah, blah. And I always knew they won one to nothing. They won one to nothing. No, they didn't make it out of the group stage, but they won that game and that was monumental in 1950 against England. And I always remember that, but I I was never told who scored the goal and I didn't find that out until later. And it was Joe Gatesgens who was a Haitian-born American player who they recruited and who played well. And so this, uh, if I recall correctly, he's the only person of color on the team and definitely the only black man that was on the team. And he was playing against England in 1950 and he got the game winning goal and he fundamentally changed the narrative for American soccer, but we don't hear about him at all in any way, shape or form. Because they wanted to, because people chose to write him out of the narrative. It was the U.S. one, not this is who scored for the U.S. and elevated them. And it, 
And it's moments like that where we write people out of uh, big tech advancements and different uh, engineering advancements because of their gender, their race, and who's controlling the narrative. So by by doing by bringing children's literature and highlighting these figures to your point, it helps us start to expand the scope of our understanding of the world to see how everybody has played a part in different ways. Absolutely. So, that, that's such an interesting story. <laughs> right. It's I mean, it's so it's so good. Just it was uh, Anyways, I could, I could go on and on and on about him, but he he's incredible, and he brought a different attacking style to the U.S. team that they hadn't th- considered because he came from a different area of the world and had a different way of playing. And so that actually feeds into when you have great advancements, it's because you can have a lot of people from different parts of the world thinking, having different creative inputs and different ways of approaching a situation or a problem that then you get the best output. But if you just have the same type of people from the same part of the world with the same life experiences, you're typically going to get about the same result every time. But, <laughs> right. <laughs> but I, I, oh, I could, I could, I could, I digress. So I want to now segue into your book that is uh, coming out, which mm-hmm. is The Secret Code Inside You. So yes. talk us through the book and how you were drawn to start write, writing this book. Okay, this is a very weird, funny story. <laughs> this is the first picture book I ever wrote. So in in many ways, it is one of the picture books that taught me how to write picture books and kind of, you know, it was the slog through years of trying to figure out what in the world was I doing with this book. So it came to me, I still remember this, um, while walking my dog. Oh, wow. And it was like a, it was a refrain. It was like, there's a secret code inside you, a code called DNA. And I was like, oh, I was like, this is so interesting. Like, I do have to write this book because when I when I studied genetics in medical school, um, it was fascinating. Yep. And it is kind of crazy to think about the fact that all of our information for everything that we are is inside each cell in the nucleus. And it's all, revel- you know, it's like this little wrapped up little double helix. And that has that has all the information. It's what makes us human. It makes us, you know, it's what makes us look like we do. Um, it gives us lots of traits in terms of, you know, of course, diseases and things like that, or, you know, resistance to diseases. Uh, so I was like, this is really cool. And the fact that it is a code, right? Um, the genetic code, that is just like extra hooky for children. Cause right. it's like, Ooh, there's like a, there's something inside me and it's a secret and I didn't know about it. And yet it, it really basically has to do with everything that everything that I am. But the other thing about this book is that I always, from the very first draft, even when I didn't know what I was doing, there were two parts to this book. One was about introducing genetics to young readers. But the second part was talking about the limits of genes and how our choices also make us who we are. Now, in medicine, we're always and forever talking about nature versus nurture, like how much of a component of getting a disease is genetic and how much of it is behavioral. Right. And for the most part, both things count. Wow. For many conditions or many whatevers, you know, diseases, um, many traits, there's a genetic component, but then what you do and how you behave, how you choose 
to behave, right? It affects, um, it also affects your chance of getting a disease or a condition. And in fact, after I went to medical school, um, there's like a new field called epigenetics. And it is about exactly that, how our behavior affects how our genes are expressed. Oh, wow. Which is kind of crazy. So, so I don't go very deeply into epigenetics. I mention it in the author's note at the back, sure. but we have control over lots of things. So that was an important message for me to give to children who often feel like they're not in control of anything because people are always telling them what to do. And, you know, in many cases, rightfully so, <laughs> but they're that they make choices every day too. And that also makes them who they are. So the other thing about this yeah. book is that it is written in rhyme. Ah. And for many years, like it started off in rhyme. And for many years, I was like, I need to unrhyme this because it's very hard to like get an agent interested or get an editor interested or get anybody interested because if it's in rhyme, because it's, you know, it can be challenging because your rhyme has to be perfect and it has to be like really, really, really good. And as much as I tried to unrhyme it, this book refused to be unrhymed or derhymed, however you want to say it. <laughs> so it was not until many years later when I knew it was going to actually be a book that I realized why. And it is because I put this together when I was talking to a bunch of teachers. I said, that's it. It's because the nucleotide base pairs in DNA always pair up the same way. Adenine and thymine, guanine and cytosine. So they're, they're matched always. And I was like, that's it. That's like the lines in a rhyming manuscript. Right. They have to match in that way. So I think my subconscious brain was telling me the whole time, this needs to be in rhyme because that makes, that makes sense with DNA. So the structure of the book is related to the function of the book, which is talking about the topic of DNA. <laughs> so that, that is my really nerdy way of explaining why this book is in rhyme. And um, there were times when I was revising it where I was like, wow, why did I put this in rhyme? Because now I have to figure out how to convey all this actual information and still make it rhyme. <laughs> I am beyond impressed that you not only wrote this book, but wrote it in rhyme. That's got to be so difficult to keep it together and keep the narrative tight with what you want to convey instead of just like rhyming to rhyme. And right. I, that's incredible. I am interested in mm -hmm. the, the nature versus the nature versus nurture aspect. I had to say that slowly so I wouldn't trip up um, because of the fact that one, one thing that I think we're finding as a society in, in a lot of ways, or at least maybe it's just me, but I found that, there's a lot more focus on let's get to the root cause of your medical condition, medical issue, concerns that you might have, and looking at the full scope of the picture. And I feel, I felt like when I was growing up, there was a lot of treating symptomatic treatment. This is itchy, let's do this cream. You're coughing, let's take this medicine, that kind of a thing. And I noticed, um, I'll give a, I'll give an example. I had a, um, <laughs> I, uh, uh, one thing I don't advise if anybody's listening is if you have a sneeze and you're on an overpass, maybe try and, and like 
like maybe just be careful. Um, I tried to hold in my sneeze and it didn't work. And so I sneezed and like seized up uh, my neck and my shoulders and then had this piercing pain in my brain or at least in my head. And it was so intense. It felt almost like a migraine, but not in the same way. And I didn't know what to do. Didn't know what to do. And I went, I went to, uh, the emergency room and the doctor's like, you like, there, nothing is coming up. I'm not sure what's going on. You might want to check in with the, your general physician or whatever. So I made an appointment and they, she evaluated me and said, so what happened? And instead of just pro- prescribing pain medication or let's look at more severe treatments, she asked me to like walk through the scenario as embarrassing as it was for me, but I walked through the scenario and she said, I think this is a pinched nerve. Mm-hmm. Let's get you take, let's have you get, um, get, uh, with a massage therapist and start working this out and let's do some um, some stem treatment and let's start doing something to try and see if it is a pinched nerve. It was a pinched nerve. Um, after uh, one stem unit treatment, uh, my pain was cut in half. And after the second one, it was gone completely. And so she said, you like tensed up and then you pinched your nerve and it was shooting pain up in through your brain. And she's like, so, and then she talked to me about, we've got to look at the full conditions of the situation so we can understand how we got here so we can help you get to the next part. And I thought that was so cool. And I noticed my kid's pediatrician does that as well. And so I just see like, there's, it seems to me there's a lot of this both nature and nurture kind of conversation of like, well, let's look at your family history. Let's look at how you got sick or what's going on. And then let's look at all of the circumstances surrounding it as well. So um, I think that's fascinating. Um, yeah. And, and I want to know, what do you want uh, people, in addition to the wonderful things you shared, what are some of the things you hope that kids take away from this? Um, after they're done reading it, other than the wonderful rhyming and knowing all of the different names. <laughs> so part of the reason I write about science topics and in particular medical topics is because I'm full of wonder that all this stuff happens and we don't have to think about it. Right. And that's how we're made, right? So I hope that kids feel some of that wonder by looking at this book and uh, think it's really cool that all these little molecules are kind of doing things inside their cells all the time. And isn't that just awesome, right? How awesome are we as people? Like, and I mean, as living beings, it's the same things happening in all the animals and the plants too, and even bacteria and viruses, but how cool are we? So that is the main thing that I want them to, to come away with. And the other thing is, that their choices and their actions matter. Mm. They matter in terms of who they are and who they're going to become. That's so true. That is so true. And for some reason, I can't help every time that I hear DNA, I just think of the little DNA cartoon from Jurassic Park. Like I forget his name, Mr. DNA or whatever. (laughs) Dino DNA. Exactly. Oh my goodness. I remember I was in medical school when that movie came out and um, we had a friend who was not in medical school who was like, isn't that really cool? We could like put drug DNA in, you know, dino DNA that was like found in mosquitoes from the prehistoric past and make dinosaurs. And I was like, have you missed the entire point of this movie? <laughs> Which is, this is a very bad idea. Don't do that. There's a reason why the dinosaurs went extinct and right. they never coexisted with humans. Right, right. We, we don't, really it's like, don't, don't put that on us. Don't, don't start putting, 
I mean, the book, like, I, oh, I love Michael Creighton. And in the book, he just goes on and on and on about, like, hey, this isn't a good idea. This is a bad idea. This is why it's a bad idea. Here's 20 plus chapters of why it's a bad idea. And maybe let's stop to think about, should we really do this just because we can? And exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And no, it's great. And you know, I believe he went to my medical school. Mm. I don't know that he graduated, but he did go to my medical school. I did not know that, but that's in- yeah. incredible. And the fact, like, I, uh, Michael Crichton is one and of the authors. Oh. Then he left to go write books, and that is exactly what he should have been doing. So that's, <laughs> you know, good for him. But all of his books, all of them have a scientific bent, um, at least. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Every single the one of them. The Andromeda has... Strain? Yes. Ooh. Oh, my gosh. That's a little too. I, I wanted to. I, I had that on my. Too to close read... to home. I had that on my to read list. And I had a, like a kid, you know, I had a hold at the library. I was supposed to pick it up March 2020. And then I said, you know what? I think not. I think I'll pause um, and just wait until a couple weeks when this is all over. I'm using air quotes. And then here we are. September 2021, I chose not to ever rent it or check it out. Yeah, don't. So, d- yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just hold off. Give it a few years. Right. <laughs> oh, this has been fantastic. I'm excited. So I would say, where is the best place for people to pick up um, the little golden book of Kamala Harris, as well as the secret code inside you? So I always recommend that people go to their local independent bookstore if you have one near you or even if you don't have one that near you, but, is, you know, they can like ship it to you. That's great. If you would like signed and personalized versions of either one, you can shop at one of my local independent bookstores. So um, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, I would recommend Silver Unicorn Bookstore in Acton, Massachusetts or the Concord Bookshop in Concord, Massachusetts. I can sign or personalize them there. And I actually have uh, a launch coming up with Porter Square Books in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And that's on September, uh, this Saturday, September 11th at 4 p.m. And that's a virtual launch. So anybody is welcome to come join us. And I will be signing and personalizing books at Porter Square Books for everyone for the secret code inside you. Oh, that is wonderful, wonderful. When I start traveling again, I will need to make my way back. I used to go to Boston regularly, so I need to make my way up to Mass and then make it to one of these book signings one of these days. So uh, with that... Please do, and let me know. We'll do, we'll do. (laughs) Um, Let's go ahead and then transition to the what's going to be our final segment. I sadly do not have any dad jokes prepared today, so you are off the hook for that. But I want to go to um, things to check out. So it's a segment where I recommend something I'm reading, watching, or listening to, and I ask my guests to do the same. So the plugs that I have, I have not, I will say, I have not read the book yet, but I'm very excited because uh, in a co- uh, next month, actually, uh, in October, around Halloween, uh, because it's very apropos, I'm going to be speaking to Ali Melaninko about her novel, Ghost Girl. So I am very excited. So definitely, I highly recommend checking that out. Uh, my copy is in the mail, so I will be reading it here shortly. Uh, so that's something that I recommend. And then... The other thing that I recommend, I um, I don't know uh, what's going on with me and my interests lately, but I started watch. I started really getting into pirates. Maybe it's Halloween coming up, and I'm just getting into like the mood or whatever. I'm not sure. Hard. But I, but I start. <laughs> I 
started <laughs> watching uh, Black Sails, which was on Stars for a couple seasons, mm. and it's now the whole series is on Hulu. So it's about, um, if I recall correctly, it's about uh, it's a prequel to Treasure Island. And it follows a young uh, John Silver who uh, becomes a cook on this pirate ship and then chaos ensues. But so far, it's good. It reminds me of early days of Game of Thrones, but on a pirate ship. So a little bit interesting. interesting. So we'll see. I'm one episode in and so far so good, but there's quite a few episodes to go. So, you know, <laughs> you never know. But anyways, those are my recommendations. So Rajini, who are you reading, watching or listening to? Okay, I have so many recommendations oh, for yes. you. Um, so, okay, so I'm I'm in the process of kind of writing a bunch of stuff. So sometimes when I'm doing that, when I'm writing children's literature, I like to read a lot of adult stuff just because it doesn't confuse me. Sure. Uh, so I recently read um, some romance novels by Sonali Dave. Um, so it's Pride, Prejudice, and Other Flavors, uh, A Recipe for Persuasion, which was my favorite one. And um, Incense and Sensibility. <laughs> and I just loved those. They were really fun. Very <laughs> clever. Um, I read the Thursday Murder Club uh, mystery. It's like a cozy mystery set Ooh. in basically um, an, like a retirement home oh. in England. And it's these older people who solve mysteries on Thursdays. And, you know, <laughs> one of them is like a, an ex-cop. And one of them is, I don't know, I think an ex-spy. And then the other two, like one's a psychologist. It's so much fun um wasn't perfect but like really really fun and the writing is beautiful particularly kind of the viewpoint of an older person who has lived a lot of life and like sure. what they care about oh it was just really really fun and i think the second one's coming out this month oh, that's awesome. um in terms of kids books i'm reading an advanced reader copy of josh levy's eighth grade versus the machines which is a sci-fi novel it is the sequel to seventh grade versus the galaxy which came out in 2019 and i'm laughing so much it is so madcap and like full of just fun and i'm having a ball reading it somebody and uh it's just that. sorry i was just saying somebody else recommended that recently and i'm trying to recall who it was it might have actually been chris Barron uh when he was on if i recall correctly so yeah yes well it's a great but i'm having so much fun with it and then in a completely different vein um there's a book coming out i think it's next month called um it's um jay casper kramer's the list of unspeakable fears which is spooky it's a little spooky it's about a girl who moves with her mom to this quarantine island off the coast of new york Ooh. And creepy things are happening. It's so good. Oh, it's so, so, so good. Yes. Um, so you should definitely read that. Yes. Uh, and then in terms of, you know, TV, we just wrote, uh, we just watched The White Lotus, which we're still thinking about. Talk about social commentary. Oh, my goodness. Amazing. I'm not too familiar with The White Lotus, if I recall. I'm sorry. I'm not too familiar with that show. Oh, it's on HBO. Okay. It's about a bunch of rich, privileged people who show up at a Hawaiian resort and like really. I do remember nuts. seeing the. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It is. It is very compelling. There's a point at which you're like, I don't know if I like anybody. <laughs> but then you're like, okay, I might like this person a little bit. Right, right. <laughs> but it's incredible social commentary. It's really, really good and very cringy at times and kind of crazy, but it's really, really good. Oh, and then I love that. now we are watching um godless 
which is a Western. I love Godless. I could oh. go on and on and on right? about that show. I, 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 okay. I like put my notebook down for this. I love that show. Yeah. So, sorry. I will let you tee it up because people were like, it's Western about what? It's a Western about, th- I'll let you tee it up and I'll give my opinion. So, sorry. Didn't mean it to is, cut you off. So, we, okay. Listen, we're only on episode three. We have not finished. I had to break away from that, watching that show to come talk to you mm. so now you understand yes. how much i was willing to talk to you i put I that aside that. <laughs> but, but so my husband is like when are you going to be done i'm like i know i know uh it is it is um you know set in the american west right. and it is basically based in this town called la belle um and it who, which is inhabited mainly by women because right. it's a mining town and like all the miners died right. in a mining accident yep. right before the show and then there's a very 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 bad man who is basically rampaging throughout the west and like stealing um you know gold and money and all kinds of stuff and but what he really wants is to get back at this guy who used to be part of his gang and left him. Yes. And that's like, that's that's all he wants is vengeance on that guy. Yep. But it's so incredible. I remember watching the trailer and being like, this bad villain in the West is going after this other guy. And this town of pretty much only women have given him safe harbor. And now they have to defend themselves against this gang. And I'm like, I don't know how this is going to play out. And then that actually, there's a lot of commentary on like our perception of women um, now and then, and that kind of ties into what we were talking about earlier with like, you know, the, the way in which we frame women and the language we use and uh, can inform how they grow up. So all of that is fantastic. And I remember I've watched it twice now. I love it so much. I'm disappointed that it was only a limited series, but I also love it because then it has like a, it, it, you know, it has a contained plot. Um, and then my aunt, uh, my aunt who doesn't have Netflix or anything like that, and she lives out in the country, I was like, this is up her alley, 100%. And so I don't, I usually will tell people like, ah, you should watch this, you should watch this. But I told her, I was like, hey, I don't know when you're coming in town, because when she comes in town, she stays with my other aunt. And I was like, when you come into town, I know she has Netflix. You t- need to watch this show. And I was like, there's eight episodes or however many episodes. They're about an hour long each. You need to commit the time. You need to do it. You don't even have to. It was like, I was like, I know you don't get a good Wi-Fi out there, but like this needs to be part of your plans when you come in to visit because you need to watch it. I checked in with her like months later. I was like, hey, did you ever end up watching that? She said, I've watched it three times and I'm getting ready to watch it a fourth. It is so good. You were absolutely right. That show is incredible. I wish there were more shows just like this. And I was like, yes. Yeah. So high praise, Godless. If you're listening, Woo! go, go watch it. Utterly fantastic. It's yes, got, it stars, I out, what's her name? Uh, Mary from uh, Downton Abbey is is in there, right? Every Michelle year. Dockery, Thank yeah. Yes. And we, we every time we talk about her, we're like, oh, Lady Mary. Yeah. <laughs> Lady Mary's wearing pants. That's what happens. She's when, riding a horse. That's what happens after after uh, after Matthew. I oh, I won't give any spoilers uh, for Downton Abbey either. But but that's what happened. She just left left the estate, came over to the American West, and she goes back in time. Right. <laughs> all of that happens, and she wears pants. That's the most scandalous of all, quote unquote. <laughs> all right. Well, Rajani, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can find me on my website, www.rajanilaraka.com. That's R-A-J-A-N-I-L-A-R-O-C-C-A. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram, and it's at Rajanilaraka. So just my name. Perfect. 
All right. Well, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. I cannot wait to have you on again. Thank you. This was so much fun, Joe. You're welcome. And listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast, or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit VocalNow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com.